With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim, this is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I'm senior writer Jake Okorowski. We have editor, recruiting analyst John McNamara here in the Vivid Seats studio. And, of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases with first-time customers only. John, we got a lot to get to, a multi-sport edition of the podcast. We'll talk about, we'll recap the win against Nebraska, some thoughts that we had. Also, we'll have our, I talked with Aaron Crookshank, the wide receiver and kickoff returner for the Wisconsin Badgers, a little earlier here on Monday about that kickoff return against Nebraska that went for six, uh, among how he's feeling more comfortable with his roles in the offense. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But first, the more recent news, and it was a very good weekend for the Wisconsin Badgers, along with that win over Nebraska that we'll get to later, and with Purdue coming up. Wisconsin, the interstate rivalry, the I-94 rivalry, what do you want to call it? Wisconsin upends Marquette 77-61, a big dominant victory. And, John, were you taken aback by just how Wisconsin controlled most of the game on Sunday? I was, you know, specifically in the second half. Um, obviously, they, they played extremely well. Um, I, I thought the game would be closer. Um, I thought that... Uh, you know, Wisconsin showed some, some really good stuff in the second half that gets you, you know, excited for the rest of the season. And then, you know, I think the natural question then is to say, you know, how good can this team be when they add Micah Potter, um, after his 10th game? So, yeah, I mean, a really encouraging performance. Um, you, you saw people step up like Brevin Pritzel. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how great of a team Marquette is, but, you know, all in all, I think it's a very good win. Uh, for Wisconsin, I think these are type of wins that help you uh, come March when you know hopefully you're you're in, in the NCAA tournament. You're kind of jockeying for a seed, so um, you know a big win for for Wisconsin on Saturday. I'm sorry on Sunday, and I think they're you know that win gives you a lot to uh, to to look forward to, and I think it gives you some optimism. You know, heading you know into into December, and then you know once conference play kicks up. Now I know it's early on. Wisconsin's three and one. Marquette's two and one. We can. Talk about the AP voters still giving Marquette more votes than Wisconsin at the moment. Maybe that's due to the part with their their overtime win against per or their win against Purdue, I should say, uh, earlier last week. But I mean, despite it being early on, does the win by Wisconsin move the needle for you in terms of what this season and what this team could be? You know, maybe a little bit. I, like I said, I think you know a win like that, um, specifically with how well they played in the second half. Um, I, I think get you, you get you excited if you're a Wisconsin fan, but you know, I think going into the season, I thought Wisconsin would, could be a team that 
uh, you know, made the NCAA tournament and you know, was maybe in the conversation for a Big Ten title. Um, you know, I, obviously, this season hasn't changed that much, and you know, the, the game against Marquette doesn't change that a whole lot. So, again, I, I think that you know, anytime you perform well in a rivalry game like that, and you know, win as handily as you did uh, down the stretch, uh, I think you're excited about you know seeing them play another time and maybe keeping that same level uh, of intensity and you know the level of a performance that they had. But yeah, I don't I don't know that it changes a whole lot from what I thought going into the season. Now, we'll play some multiple choice here early on. In your opinion, what was the most impo- what was the most impressive part of the win? A, Wisconsin holding Marcus Howard to only 18 points on 6 of 21 shooting, including only 2 points in the second half on 0 of 9 shooting in that final frame. B, Brevin Pritzel's 15 points and 13 rebounds for his first career double-double. C, 6 Badgers and double figures and none of them went over 15 points or D other. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think you can make a case for any one of those, um, you know, credit, uh, Demetri Trice and, you know, he wasn't, didn't do it alone, obviously, but you know, the work that he did on Marcus Howard, um, was very good. And that's, you know, that's a guy who can score when he's hot as well as anyone in the country. And I thought that the Badgers did a really great job on him. And, you know, if you watch the game on Sunday, uh, Demetri Trice spent a lot of time on Howard. So, uh, that's one I'll go with, but again, you, you can make a, pl- uh, a case for Pritzel. Uh, you, you can make a case for, uh, you know, Wisconsin's having six guys in, in double figures, which is impressive, but, uh, you know, the defensive performance, I think, uh, by Wisconsin led by Demetri Trice on, on Marcus Howard, uh, of those choices, I think is, is the one that's most impressive to me. Overall Marquette shot just 37.3%, 19 to 51 from the field. They did hit 47.4% of their threes, so that was something, especially in the first half. Uh, they finished 9-19 overall. In the second half, they cooled off just under 35% shooting overall, just 4-10 from three-point range. I, I guess one other point, I mean, we talked about, you know, Trice, Kobe King, Nate Reavers all having 10 points. Aleem Ford had 12 points and seven rebounds. But then you had Brad Davison and Brevin Pritzel each with 15 points. We talked about the scoring. I guess one thing I want to mention too before you know we go further to Wisconsin out rebounded Marquette, and we, we've talked about how much of an influence Micah Potter could have on this team on this program once he is eligible. Which for those that don't know, we confirmed it. With uh, Badger Blitz did with the UW official Zach Heilprin and Jeff Patricus reported it earlier on Sunday, but maybe about a half hour later, uh, I confirmed it with the UW official. Michael Potter will have his telephone hearing with the NCAA committee for legislative relief. That will be on Thursday. Wisconsin also plays UW green Bay on Thursday. Not sure if we'll hear anything back quickly enough. That would make him eligible for that. But again, uh, back to him. If whenever he is eligible, he will bring a huge rebounding presence I think you'll have a great inside outside game. I'm I'm not anointing him as a savior of a program or or whatnot by any stretch, but he'll definitely help the front court. But back to the game too, I think the fact that Wisconsin found ways to out rebound Marquette by that margin, it was led by Pritzel in a, in a pretty gritty effort down low. Six of his thirteen were offensive rebounds. And that led to a huge advantage in, in second chance points, 14 to three. That to me, John, really popped out where 
this team showed that it could get to the glass and, and make teams pay even without a big man like Potter in the rotation. Right. And you, you've seen them, you know, kind of have to get creative with their lineups, um, you know, because they don't have a, you know, very much depth um, in, in the post there, you know, obviously a lean forward and uh, Nate Reavers are starting for you. Uh, Tyler Wall's playing quite a bit and he's, you know, helping, you know, kind of fill that void until Potter gets back. Um, you know, it doesn't look like Joe Hedstrom's ready. And, you know, we haven't seen a, a lot of him this year. You know, I don't think he's ready to be a full rotational guy. So uh, you're, you're kind of piecing it together in, until Potter comes back. And, you know, that's just a big position of need uh, just because there's there's so little depth there that, you know, the, I think that you, you think about, you know, the win against Marquette and then, you know, you feel good about that. And then you say, okay, Micah Potter's coming back soon. So I think there's a lot of things you can get excited about with this Wisconsin team um, moving forward. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Potter's going to be a big part of it. And like you said, you don't want to annoy him. You know, he's going to do this, he's going to do that because we haven't seen him play in a Wisconsin jersey. But I think this is kind of you know, if this team could use someone, it's someone that would look like Micah Potter to come in and you know be a rebounder, defender for you, and someone you know could that can you know contribute on the offensive end as well. One last thing, I think what's also been impressive, not just that rebounding effort in the single game against Marquette. Overall, in the four games Wisconsin has played, they have attempted more free throws. And we, I think we talked about it last week, but they've attempted more free throws than their opponents in all four games. And when you look at it against, you know, against Marquette, 18 to 20, they hit 90% of their free throws. Marquette, 14 to 17, that's 82, just under 83%. So, and, you know, you saw Kobe King get to the line four times. You saw Reavers get to the line four times. Same with Pritzel uh, and Aleem Ford for that matter. That is a great sign for a team where I think that's going to be, we talked about it, I think even at the beginning of the season, this team's going to look completely different offensively. You're seeing the offensive balance, at least in one game against Marquette, but you're also seeing this team consistently throughout the first you know quartet of, of, of games really assert themselves, get to the rim, get fouled and get to the line that could really, and if they hit their shots, they're doing right now from the charity stripe, that's going to go a long way in tight games and in wearing down opposing defenses. Right. And they're making the shots from the free throw line, which is, you know, the kind of biggest thing uh, if you've seen from past years, you know, it, it, Wisconsin really seemed to struggle at the free throw line and, you know, they're off to a good start there. And if that continues, like you said, uh, that certainly helps, you know, when you're in tight games and stuff like that. You know, it, it, not to dog on guys like Ethan Happ and Khalil Iverson, but those guys just, you know, weren't consistent. Uh, you know, they weren't consistent outside shooters, and they were guys that, you know, that connected on free throws. Again, those guys had great careers. Uh, you know, Ethan Happ had one of the best careers ever at Wisconsin uh, in the in the program's history. But, uh, you know, with those two gone, you know, you're seeing your outside shooting percentages tick up and you're seeing your free throws tick up. So, um, you know, that's certainly one positive that we, you can definitely take away from the first handful of games. And coming up this week for Wisconsin basketball, Badger Blitz will be down there at practice tomorrow for availability. And we'll have, I'll probably get, try to get some article up in the next day or so about that as they prepare for the green Bay Phoenix at the Cole center on Thursday where we will also be, uh, we won't be in Brooklyn for their tournament coming up in, in Monday. We wish we could, wish we had the 
the, the chance to do that if, during Thanksgiving week, but uh, alas, it will be, you know, this Wisconsin team is shaped up to have a good run coming up. They'll have to take care of business, but uh, going forward, is there anything else you'd want to see from this team right now, John, besides uh, maybe some more for, you know, maybe working on some foul trouble or other things that could deter this team? Yeah. If you're, if you're looking at things that, you know, could deter them, foul trouble, certainly one, uh, you saw Wisconsin get into a little bit of that uh, against Marquette. Uh, you know, Tyler Wall in, in particular gotten some some foul trouble. And you know, even though he's coming off the bench, he's he's an important player uh, in, in Wisconsin's uh, in Wisconsin's rotation right now. So you know, Reavers has to stay out of foul trouble. Aleem Ford has to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, Tyler Wall has to stay out of foul trouble because you know, like we talked about, they just they just don't have a lot of bodies there. So I think that's one thing to to certainly watch moving forward. But you know, can they continue to shoot well from outside? Uh, you know, can they win if they go cold from outside? Can they get the ball into the post? So, yeah, it, it, like a small sample size for the season, but uh, you know, there's I think there's a lot of questions that that still remain to be answered, and um, you know, maybe we'll get some of those answered. Uh, you know, in, in the tournament in Brooklyn that you talked about, I, you know, I always think those are you know those neutral floor tournaments are always good. I think those are are kind of good measuring sticks. And then you know, Big Ten play kicks off pretty early, December seventh. Uh, against Indiana, so uh, the the season's going to heat up quite a bit, uh, you know, real real soon for Wisconsin. Now, before we take a break, we're going to switch over to football. You saw him on the field on Saturday take an 89 yard kickoff return for a touchdown. He is the Big Ten Co Special Teams Player of the Week. I had a chance to talk to sophomore Aaron Crookshank on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Check it out right now from our conversation earlier on Monday. We're here with Aaron Crookshank, and first off, what goes through your head on that off return where the ball's a little, it's not deep, and then you're trying to go up to make a play, and then you see the defenders coming. Well, what did you see on Saturday with that kickoff return for a touchdown? Uh, I was just hope I was just hoping that the ball come down a little faster because I know it was short, so I know the defenders were just going to be closing in fast. So I was just waiting on that ball to be so I can catch it in and look at it. When it, how much more difficult is it to catch a kickoff like that where it's hanging up in the air or the wind's playing games with it, and, and then you have to try to adjust and see what's in front of you too? Uh, it tests my patience and basically like my focus. So being more locked in so I have all the pressure points I'm looking at it and making sure I don't drop it and then once I have the ball in my hands I just try to make a play how long have you been wanting have you been wanting to break one because you've gotten close this year where you've had some good returns and then against Nebraska everything happened and you found the end zone uh it's been it's been long overdue I could tell you that uh the unit overall in general we've been working hard together they trust me and I trust them so it was just long overdue and we'll just hopefully try to get another one. With what's in front of you, uh, how did you see the play develop, and what were some of the key blocks that you saw uh, on your way to the end zone? Uh, so I just followed the path that we had in, in practice and then followed that, and I just had to beat the kicker. And then I had seen the stack player on the other side of the field come around, so I just tried to use my speed, and then I just tried to get in that end zone. How did that stiff arm feel, by the way? It felt, it felt good, but I know I had one more thing to do before I get in that end zone, so it felt good, though. When you see that kicker in front of you, obviously you know that you have to beat him to get the, get you know to get the touchdown. But is it just more the confidence, like yeah, he's not gonna get he's not gonna get past me? Nah, it's just I feel like it's more of a 
make sure he, you get past him because, like, you never know. Angles are very good in this game. He could take a good angle. He could get you. could catch your foot, and that could be the worst. So it just, I think it's just, like, more confidence of just running past him and then saying I got it. So how does it feel, like, we talked about how you got to the end zone. How does it feel once you cross that goal line? Like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I'll say that. That's the best feeling because I've been waiting all year to just get in there. It's been a year since I've been in there, so it's just a great feeling. And then offensively, you were running some jet sweeps. We've seen that. How have you seen yourself evolve? I mean, we also saw the Wildcat against uh, look against Ohio State. How, how have you seen yourself evolve and, and develop, you know, with your sophomore year, you know, two, you know through, what, ten games already? Uh, I feel like I, I've grown a lot, and I still have more to grow. But I feel like over the over like from last year to this year, I feel like I've grown a lot, and just showing that I'm able to just run harder, run faster, and making more people miss. So I feel like I've grown a lot. And say, was there a particular area, like one or two particular strengths that you're seeing that that have developed over time? I'll say that I'm more, I'm running more confident and like more patient. Before freshman year, I feel like I was rushing more things, and I'll say that I'm running a little more stronger too because I put a little I put more in the um, weight room last season, off season. So I feel like I'm running a little stronger too, and just that have that chip on my shoulder because I know every time I just have to make a play so my team could just get that spark. I say it's your final home game for the seniors. What does it mean? I mean, you're a sophomore, but how much would it mean for you? as a team to come away with a win, you know, to send off the seniors last game Camp Randall Stadium with a victory? Uh, it would it'll mean a lot to, to us because it's camp, it's the camp, you can't, you got to protect it. So we just, we, ha we haven't lost here, so we're just trying to protect it and just make sure we get our seniors a last good time in the camp, a good time. Great talking with Aaron Crookshank here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. And of course, he'll be back returning kicks on Saturday when the Wisconsin Badgers take on the Purdue Boilermakers inside Camp Randall Stadium. It's senior day. It's the last time for fans to see Chris Orr, Zach Bond, Jason Erdman, David Mormon, and more. And they've made such a big impact on the Wisconsin program. And make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can start by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice all in the Vivid Seats app to make things even better. Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. That's great. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. November, folks, is one of the great sports months of the year. Of course, the Wisconsin Badgers have two more regular season games. If they win out, they have a chance to go to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game where anything can happen. Of course, there's the NFL and the Green Bay Packers off to a great start. College hoops, Wisconsin Badgers, obviously off to the 3-1 and one start and had a huge win over Marquette this past weekend. There's the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks, NHL, golf, you name it. My bookie is a place to get in on the action. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet to win a lot, try a parlay. Uh, of course, there are props and futures in-game betting available too. 
NFL, NBA, NHL lines. You got college basketball hoops. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with. Just use promo code overtime to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code overtime to take advantage of my bookies, generous signup offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We're going to take a quick break. Come back, talk Wisconsin, Nebraska here on the badgerblitz.com podcast. We are back on the badgerblitz.com podcast. Thanks for listening to those ads. That's how we pay the bills here on the show alongside editor and recruiting analyst, John McNamara. I am senior writer, Jake Kokorowski. Let's get to the football field. Let's get to what happened inside Memorial stadium on Saturday, Wisconsin comes out 37, 21 winners helps cover. So all you betters that you won out there, uh, thanks to a key fourth down stop by one Reggie Pearson, but the West now, John can be won if the Badgers win out. And that's due to the help of Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes with that 23-19 win over the now number 11 Minnesota Golden Gophers inside Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, and that was a fun game to watch, too. Um, you know, Iowa played well. Uh, Nate Stanley played well. He helped out his hometown team in Wisconsin, even though he was never able to defeat the Badgers. Uh, as a starting quarterback for Iowa, he certainly did, did Wisconsin a big favor uh, against Minnesota. You know, I, I had a buddy text me who went to school at Minnesota, and he said PJ Fleck has some Brett Bielema esque time management uh, in his blood. And you know, there was a few things on on you know with with Fleck and you know not getting the plays in, having to burn timeouts. And, and he kind of looked back and he said, "Yeah, that was I mean, he's got a little bit of Bielema in him, a little bit uh, that he still has to learn in in that part of the game." So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sets up if these two teams – I guess it really doesn't matter what Minnesota does. Uh, but, yeah, if Wisconsin can take care of business against Purdue, um, you know, it's going to set up a really exciting game in, in two weeks uh, against Minnesota. You know, not only are you playing for the Axe, uh, you know, Wisconsin wants to bring that back, but, you know, the winner will go to Indianapolis. So, um, you know, that's a huge, huge way to, to end the season. I think it's a it's a great game for both, both programs. Now, looking – more precisely at Wisconsin, Nebraska, a good win inside any road win really for Wisconsin right now. They got off that two game losing streak away from camp Randall stadium with those losses to Illinois and Ohio state. They defeat the Huskers with, they had a buy and Purdue is coming off a buy as well. Uh, Iowa did as well. So there's like three straight weeks that Wisconsin had to face an opponent who's coming off a buy or will. So you saw what Nebraska could do. We'll talk about the defensive performance, but let's talk about the offense first, where the positives you saw Wisconsin not get up to 500 yards total, but you saw the rushing attack go over three, you know, 300. You had Jonathan Taylor go over 200. So he, according to UW is the first Badger to ever rush for over 200 yards, 200 or more yards in a game three times against an opponent, a single opponent in his career. But then with that, I guess, John, I mean, what are some of your takeaways from the win in Lincoln? Yeah, you know, you could start it with Jonathan Taylor. Um, obviously, he played 
extremely well for Wisconsin. And, you know, I think it's another good performance by the offensive line. And, you know, if you go into pro fo- football focus, um, you know, a guy maybe you didn't expect to be at the top for Wisconsin uh, was Cormac Sampson. And, uh, you know, as a, as a blocking tight end, he probably had his best game against uh, Nebraska that he's had in his career at Wisconsin. So, you know, just the ability to, to run the football. Um, but, you know, I think Sean Callahan of the of the Nebraska site put it out, uh, and you included one of your stories today, Jake, uh, just the missed tackles on both sides of the ball. I think Wisconsin at 18 and Nebraska at 16 or something like that. So, I mean, that is kind of the last impression. But, uh, you know, Wisconsin kind of had that bend but didn't break. Um, you know, in that you'll you'll take a road win in the Big Ten anytime you can get it. And I, uh, but I think Wisconsin bent, but they did not break against Nebraska. Yeah, you talk about the run game for Wisconsin on the offensive takeaways. You know, 204 yards on 25 carries for Jonathan Taylor, two touchdowns. I'm going to go a little different with that, where I called it out in our 3 2 1 weekly column that we always have on Badger Blitz, where we break down three things, additional things we learned from the Wisconsin win. Two questions we have heading into the week ahead, along with one bold prediction. But this is one of the other things that I learned besides the five things we discussed right after the game on Badger Blitz. I'm going to talk about the wide receiver play. And I think you, despite, you know, Wisconsin threw for only 162 yards, but when you have that dominant of a running game, you don't necessarily need to, because they gained 482 total in the contest, but you saw AJ Taylor make a huge play to put Wisconsin ahead for good. Uh, on that 55-yard touchdown pass where Jack Cohn put it where it needed to, and then Taylor spun out, and you talked about those missed tackles by Nebraska. They missed a couple at, at the very least on that play, and he heads into the end zone for six there. But, you know, Kendrick Pryor, two of his three receptions went for first downs. Uh, he finished only with, uh, you know, three receptions for 30 yards. But then Danny Davis, he didn't catch a pass, John, but – three carries for 48 yards that included the game icing 29 yard rush on third. And it was a third and three late in the game, late in the fourth quarter after Wisconsin stopped Nebraska at the one yard line. Again, thanks to Reggie Pearson, but they had the opportunity, you know, they ran out the clock from there after it's a second consecutive game that, you know, Wisconsin needed to run out the clock and they very well could have given Nebraska the ball back and, it would have been a very rough time to rough go for Nebraska, but you saw how fast they could score. I think one of their scoring drives was like 66 or 70 seconds right around there. Um, Wisconsin then ran out the clock like they did against Iowa. And to me, uh, you know, like I said, the wide receivers, despite maybe lower numbers, they talk about when your opportunity comes, you have to take advantage of it. And I thought they did on Saturday. Yeah, I would agree. And like we've talked about this you know, for podcast after podcast. I mean, they have, you know, four playmakers at, at that position. You know, I, I like that they're they're trying to find ways to get those guys involved as well. Um, you, you know, Kendrick Pryor coming in this year was the guy that you thought would be using that jet sweep, but you know, you've seen Danny Davis do that. You've seen Aaron Crookshank do it. I, I just, I, I like that, you know, Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph are looking for ways to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers that they have because, uh, you, you know, they, they have guys at that receiver position and, you know, they have a quarterback that, that can get on the ball. Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't have the strongest and biggest arm to, to really stretch the field vertically, but 
Um, I, I think you can find ways to get those receivers involved, and I think you're seeing more of that uh, in, in recent weeks. But can I ask you too, John, with that, any other takeaways you had from the defensive side of the ball besides those missed tackles? Yeah, I, you know, like you said, I, Reggie Pearson had that huge stop, you know, also with, with 10 tackles on, on the game. Uh, I thought he played very well, but at the same time you could say, well, it, it's a problem when your two starting safeties lead the team in tackles. Pearson had 10 and, and Burrell had six. I mean, that means that guys are, you know, getting to that second, third level. Uh, and, that, you know, that's an issue. But like I said, you know, I, th- I think that, you know, to go on the road and, you know, Nebraska's not a great football team. Uh, but to, to, you know, to give up those chunk plays to, to not play your cleanest football and still come out of there with, a, you know, a relatively comfortable win, uh, I, I think still kind of speaks to, you know, the talent of that defense. But at the same time, you know, you watch that Nebraska game and then you think back to what Minnesota can do and, and the receivers that they have. And I know that Purdue's next, um, but, you know, we're not the football team, so we can talk about future games. It doesn't matter. Uh, you just think that, <laughs> You know, you you're curious about what Minnesota can do, um, you know, specifically, uh, you know, through the air with their receivers. You just you worry if that's a bad matchup for Wisconsin in two weeks. But again, they they got Purdue coming up. But you know, if they're going to give up those big chunk plays against an offense like Nebraska, uh, you wonder what Minnesota could do if it's rolling kind of, you know, on on all cylinders in two weeks. I agree with that. It's with this team you're you're seeing i think one thing that's different from last year's defense the pressure they can put on a quarterback and iowa got back to tanner morgan i think it was five times and so not trying to look too far ahead obviously we'll preview purdue coming up later this week we'll uh we'll talk with tom deanhart from golden black uh.com great great guy we'll talk with him about the purdue program later but really you see that pressure from Chris Orr, who's got 10 sacks. Zach Bond had two on the day. He has 9.5 on the season. This could be a big year where you have two players go for 10 sacks, and they're at 37. They're almost double what they had last year with two more regular season games remaining. I'm sure they're going to get maybe one or two, or maybe two to three against Purdue, and then we'll see what happens against Minnesota. But really, it. Wisconsin, you know, I think that's my takeaway for the defense. It's that pass rush. It got to Martinez four times. If they can do that against Minnesota, I think they're in good they're in good company right there. They have a good shot at bringing home Paul Bunyan's axe. But maybe the next takeaway from my end on the flip side, it's that fact that that rushing game, Wisconsin gave up a season worst. Just checking real quick on this. You know, Wisconsin gave up 273 yards on the ground to Nebraska and Dedrick Mills averaged over 11 yards per carry. Adrian Martinez at almost 90 with a long of 45. I think the takeaway here is Wisconsin needs to find a way to, you mentioned the missed tackles. They have to find a way to wrap up in space, but they, when the team spreads them out like that, which Minnesota's not saying they're a great team, but you know, a rushing team in that fact, but they have to contain whatever type of run run attack they have. So um, honestly, I mean, it, it might be a long game for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin can run on Minnesota. We'll, we'll, we'll go more in detail with that matchup next week, but not trying to look too far ahead, but there are mismatches on both ends there. 
We'll see what happens inside TCF stadium. If the big 10 West is on the line between both programs, but uh, last thing uh, we, obviously we had Crookshank on the show talking about the kickoff return. Colin Larsh, he hit all three of his chip shot field goals there, uh, you know, on the road uh, in a tough environment. Do you think the special teams group or the, the special teams return coverage units are, seems like they're improving each week and, and it stood out, especially on the road against Nebraska. Yeah. You know, for, for Kirkshank to return one, you know, that was huge. Um, you know, that he, I think he's, he's, that, that's certainly what you envisioned uh, happening when you recruiting him out of high school. And I remember talking to his high school coach and he mentioned, you know, the impact that he could have on special teams and just how dangerous he is with the ball in his hands. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he could be a, a difference maker there. I, I'd like to see him return punts as well. Um, you know, obviously they're going with Jack Dunn there, and you've seen Danny Davis behind him. But you know, as as Crookshank gets more and more comfortable, and as his confidence continues to grow, um, you know, he's one of the true playmakers, and you know, probably one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, so I think that's a positive. And like you said about Colin Larsh, uh, you know, to go on the road in the Big Ten, and you know, not ideal conditions and, and, you know, make three field goals when you're called upon is big, you know, especially for a guy that's been shaky this season. So yeah, we've, we've kind of dogged the special teams throughout the year, you know, especially when Wisconsin was, was rolling on both sides of the ball and, you know, they, they deserve the the credit when, you know, they, they are performing well. And, you know, Zach Hintz this whole year has been a staple and he's been consistent in getting the ball uh, in the end zone. So yeah, I thought special teams played well uh, against Nebraska and, you know, you're going to have to, you know, have large in, in particular, probably make some big, big kicks uh, down the stretch as Wisconsin looks to finish out this season and, you know, potentially the big 10 title game and then, you know, a bowl game and wherever they, that we wind up. Coming up, of course, wrapping up this show, big weekend for a potential weekend for recruiting. If you folks didn't see a badgerbliss.com, we, reported it on Twitter. And if you are a part of rivals and badgerblitz.com as a subscriber, as a member, you saw that Nolan Rucci, the 2021 four-star offensive lineman, number 30 player in the nation, according to rivals will be in Madison this weekend. And obviously he has an offer from his father's alma mater, Penn state among other huge programs in the nation. But not to get too far ahead of ourselves, John, but you know, it's a good weekend to have him here and it'll be a possibly a good display of what Wisconsin's offensive line could do against Purdue where Jonathan Taylor's rushed for over 200 yards the first two seasons as a Badger against the Boilermakers. Yeah. You talked about Nolan Rucci. He's obviously one of the top offensive linemen in the country. I think that Wisconsin and, and Penn state for a long time were viewed as you know, his top two options is because of the connections he has to those schools. But, uh, you know, he's quietly picked up offers from, you know, just about all the top programs in the country. Alabama, I think, came in, Clemson, uh, a number of other schools. And, you know, he's really given no indication that he has any leaders. He's given no indication of when he wants to trim his list down. Uh, I, I certainly think Wisconsin and Penn State will will be in the mix to the very end. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. You know, certainly one of the top talent – one of the top – uh, offensive lineman in the country in the 2021 class. And, you know, Wisconsin would certainly love to to add him to a group that already includes uh, Riley Mullman and J.P. Benchall. Right. And he's got offers. You mentioned Alabama, Clemson, LSU, 
mentioned Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, among other Texas, Texas A&M. I'm just listening it off of what I'm seeing off of Rivals.com. So big weekend for him to come see what is, and he's been here before. Last time he was here was in, you know, mid-April uh, during the Wisconsin spring game, if I'm not mistaken there, when he visited with, with his brother Hayden, who, of course, is a freshman tight end for the Badgers. So we'll see what they say after that. We'll try to get a hold of them afterwards and, and talk about uh, how the experience went here in Madison. But what else we got going on this week? Of course, we'll preview Purdue. But what else we got going on, John, at BadgerBlitz.com? Yeah, you know, football, basketball, both going on. Um, there's a few guys that we still want to talk to recruiting-wise. Um, you know, that'll roll into, uh, you know, this week when Purdue comes, and that's the final uh, home game and that you know it'll be an important time for Wisconsin to get some some guys on campus for their last look at uh, you know Wisconsin for for a game day visit. Um, I've been putting together a list a couple weeks ago and like you said Nolan Rucci's probably the biggest guy we have uh, on there so far but we'll keep adding names to that list and then like you said we'll, we'll catch up with those guys hopefully on Sunday and you know that'll take us into you know the Minnesota week which is is going to be a real exciting time. Uh, for Wisconsin football and in Minnesota football as well. I think uh, that's a game I think a lot of people are looking forward to in two weeks. Who would have thought that Wisconsin and Minnesota ha- would have the opportunity potentially at the end of the year, not just have Paul Bunyan's axe on the line, but also the ability to, you know, like we, we've talked about before, but have the Big Ten West division on the line. You got tradition with that axe. You have the present with possibly going to Indianapolis quite the setup for these two programs and in two good coaches with PJ Fleck and Paul Christ. Right. Yeah. I, that's not something I would have predicted at the start of the year. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a believer in, in Minnesota, um, you know, when they had those kind of close contests early in the season, but you know, Hey, they had a great win uh, when, when Penn state came, came to Minneapolis and um, you know, obviously, you know, going to Iowa is a tough place to play. I, I I think it's a tough matchup for Wisconsin. Again, we're looking two weeks ahead here. I, I understand that Purdue's next, but uh, I think it's a tough matchup for Wisconsin. And uh, I think it has a chance to be, you know, one of those, you know, ESPN classic games where, you know, something funky happens at the end of the game uh, and, you know, it turns one way for, for either team. So um, that has the makings of a very good game. Um, you know, as much as it pained Wisconsin fans to see the Badgers lose the ax, um, I think it's kind of juiced up that that game, and obviously PJ Fleck, you you love him or you hate him. I don't think there's there's probably no in between. Um, he he's kind of juiced that rivalry up, and I think it's it's good for the rivalry. It's good for college football. It's good for the Big Ten. And um, like I said, I'm I'm excited about that game in two weeks. Of course, you get all the coverage here on BadgerBlitz.com on this podcast, but also Wisconsin.Rivals.com. Check out our Facebook. Like it because we put our articles up there, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. Tell your friends about it. We want to continue to rise that Facebook group up. And then, of course, on Twitter, follow John at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, and, of course, the Badger Blitz official account at Badger underscore Blitz. Pretty easy there, folks. For this podcast, make sure you listen and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, tune in, Spotify. Subscribing is free, so it's a little bit of a miss. It's a, you know, not a little misleading because it doesn't cost you a thing. It just allows you once 
a new episode is uploaded, which this one will be tonight on Monday, probably around uh, 9.30, 10-ish, guess what? It goes straight to your desktop, your, your, where if you have Apple, you know, Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcasts, your iPhone, your Android phone, iPad, tablet, wherever, it goes there instantly so that you get automatically right there your chance to listen to the latest Wisconsin Badgers news provided by BadgerBlitz.com. And of course, we love reviews, why that helps us become obviously more popular. We want our reach to grow uh, in this podcast, and we've been trying to build a bigger community here. And you can do that. You know, we love five star reviews, but hell, give us a give us some free feedback. Help us become better with what we can do. So until later this week, we'll probably drop one uh, about Thursday ish or so. I know I got to cover Wisconsin and Green Bay, but we'll find we'll, we'll make sure we break one down uh, and give you a full Purdue breakdown. Who's all coming to Madison in terms of recruiting and so much more here on the BadgerBlitz.com later this the BadgerBlitz.com podcast later this week. Y'all have a good start to it. We'll talk to you soon here on the Overtime Media Network.